I am so excited to be here today. Uh, one of the things that I love to do on this podcast is to bring encouragement um, to all of you. And one of the ways that I love to do that is to share powerful testimonies that not only inspire, but equip moms in their Christian life and in their roles as moms so that they can prepare and equip their kids. And today, I believe, is going to be a very powerful day. Um, and I'm just so excited because today we're going to be hearing a powerful testimony from my friend Judy, who lived a lesbian lifestyle for many years before she came to know Jesus as her Savior, and then everything changed as it should. We will also be talking about how we as moms can have an open dialogue with our kids about being the hands and feet of Jesus to the alternative lifestyle community without compromising the truth of God's word and his intentions for us as his creation. So with no further ado, I want to jump right into this because there's so much uh, we're going to be talking about today. But I want to introduce Judy. Judy is happily married to Brad. She recently retired from her Monday through Friday job at a 911 center, and they are currently, she and Brad, are waiting for clear direction from the Lord on how she and her husband can minister full-time by sharing the love of Christ wherever they are called. So welcome, Judy. I'm so excited that you're here. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, well, I, I know Judy just briefly. I've met her. I think I've met her once. Uh, we went to church together. We didn't really know each other at the time, but I think I've met uh, her once along the way. And I also know her through Heidi St. John, because I know she was a good friend of yours as well. Yes, she was. Still yeah. is. And still is. Yes, it was not a past tense. <laughs> sorry, Heidi. <laughs> yeah, really sorry, Heidi. Yeah. Yes, and you were on Heidi's podcast and, and shared your story there as well. I did. I yeah, did. I think I was around for that. And so recently, you know, I'm always praying about, Lord, what do you want to do next on the podcast? And um, I just listen and just ask him, what do you want? You know, because I have lots of ideas, but that doesn't mean it's what he wants. And he just brought your uh, face and your name to mind. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, I need to reach out to Judy because I know as a mom, I struggle with where our culture is going. You know, this is Gay Pride Month, and everywhere I go, um, I'm seeing evidence of this just full support of this lifestyle. Um, my daughter and I went to the mall the other day, and I can't tell you how many stores were, you know, flying this rainbow flag and um, we, we are seeing advertisements. We we're at the bank making a deposit, and they've got a little thing running on the TV up there, and it's just it's becoming so uh, prevalent. And I just, I think I never really, I guess maybe I thought it might get to that point someday, but to see it actually happening and unfolding in front of me and then thinking about my children and grandchildren and how they fit into this and what God wants to do. Um, I just thought if we could, if we could have this conversation, um, it would really, really be an encouragement and really help us get a vision for what God might, how God might be wanting to use us when it comes to this. Um, so uh, to start off with, um, obviously, I mentioned the increasing 
uh, volume of the gay and lesbian transgender community. But what really concerns me um, is the influence uh, that this community has had on the church. Um, I just see Christians are quickly abandoning a biblical stand on this topic. And so as we, as we, and we're going to be talking more about that, but I really Judy would love for you to start by sharing your story. Um, I know it's a big, it's a broad story. You have, you sent me PowerPoint slides and I'm going to try to include those in the podcast notes just because in, they in themselves are powerful. As I was reading through them, I was just like, wow, Lord, this is amazing. And um, so if you could just start by sharing your story, that would be sure. awesome. Sure, sure. So um, I had a growing up, I had a God consciousness. My parents, we weren't really a totally religious, uh, you know, um, we were practicing Catholics and mm-hmm. uh, I went to church every week and, and, you know, I, so I was very God conscious, um, Jesus conscious. I, I basically thought of Jesus as a, as a guy who loved children is really what I got out of all that. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that really where my journey started was a couple of things happened. Um, you know, I was always a tomboy, and um, I had a, a really a, an independence, a spirit of independence where I could do things myself. And my parents were very, very loving, but they were strict, you know. And mm-hmm. my dad was a military guy, um, lieutenant colonel is what he retired as. And so, um, you know, it was a it was a very kids were seen but not heard type of um, um lifestyle but you mm-hmm. know they cared for us they took care of us i mean you know we didn't want for anything we always had nice clothes my mother was always making sure we were dressed nice and you know so they they really provided for us um i was a tomboy from the get-go i didn't really like dresses i wanted to play with tonka trucks and be in the dirt and my poor mother would try send me out with a with a chatty kathy if you remember <laughs> chatty kathy and a, and a buggy, and she would be so upset with me because the catty chathy, catty chathy at the end of the day would be with other little girls, and I'd be out with the boys playing. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. That's know, hilarious. I was really so, you know, so I just had a, I had a, but I had a consciousness, a reverence for God and a fear of God, I, I think, you know, and um, I've heard all the biblical stories. And so, um but I never was like one of those boy crazy girls, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't, when I became a, a, a preteen and then a teen, I was never, I always saw boys as friends and not as, you know, as attraction. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it was just, it wasn't anything that wasn't, was or wasn't attracted to him. I just didn't see it that way. I guess I wasn't really sexually uh, or active or looking right. to that. You know? Right, right. And that makes sense. I'm going to stop you for just a second there because um, that would, in in this day and age, um, if a parent didn't have some kind of, you know, boundaries or, you know, a, a sense of what's natural and what isn't when it comes to genders, they would automatically assume at that point that you were, you were definitely a lesbian, you know, that, that would be, I, I feel like that's what the, the culture would do now where, where your mom was like, here, you know, have a doll, keep, you know, working. <laughs> you yeah. Know. yeah. And, and, and so I guess my point is um, my husband has mentioned this as well because he was very much a, an artist. He's, he's got an artistic personality. Um, he doesn't really, he doesn't like mechanics. He's not really, uh, you know, he's not a guy's guy and he, uh, 
wasn't really, he didn't really think about, even think about getting married until he was like 25, which, you know, back in that day was like, wow, what's wrong with you? So, you know, for him, he felt like um, he was, you know, it happened back in the day. So it really, nobody really assumed anything, but he said in this day and age, people would assume. And he said, and and it might cause me to doubt, you know? And so it was just very interesting. I'm just, I guess I'm wanting to throw that out there as just a comparison of what we did with it in the past and what's happening with it now. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think back in those days, I mean, I think my mom was more conscious of everything, you know, more than I was, I was just out to have a good time, you know, right. Um, the, the things that, you know, supposedly back then, you know, little girls wore dresses and boy, you know, and, and I just never, I, I, I didn't really pay attention to the fact that I wasn't wearing a dress. I think my mom was more concerned about it than I right, was right. You know, type of deal. Um, but I, you know, I love sports, um, you know, and I think that, um, my mom was, was, um, you know, I loved my mom to death and she just, she just passed on not too long ago but she really she just she did what she and my dad did what they thought was best and you know they she took me to dancing lessons which would have ta- taught me coordination but you know I wasn't really wasn't interested in doing that I was more interested right. in, in doing stuff outside and running and playing and um and sports I was really you know my my dexterity was really great so um unfortunately they didn't really push that or they didn't really you know go to what my natural instincts were, right um which i think is how they did it back then now mm-hmm. looking back on the looking forward now you know 40 years 50 years you, you go well, okay now people are starting to say hey you know if she's if she's into this if she's you know playing with 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 boys and all that other stuff then oh my gosh she's already a lesbian well right i think that's a big fat lie Right. Um, and I think that we need as Christians and as parents need to really just throw that one out the window and realize right. that they're kids. And we as parents can, can can show these kids and can uh, and give kids an example of, you know what, it's OK if you don't like dolls, you know, mm-hmm. do you know maybe I want to play soccer and there's nothing wrong with that. And so exactly. You know, and I think we've just gotten so crazy with it now is that, you know, if a boy likes to dance, oh, he's 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 gay. And if a girl right. likes to, you know, get dirty, then she's gay, too. She's a lesbian. And right. it's, just, it's such a crock of crap because I bought into that. Mm-hmm. I bought mm-hmm. into that, too. Um, when I was 16 years old, you know, I was molested by a trusted relative. It was an uncle who, um, you know, it just happened. And I wasn't, my parents weren't around and it was on, was on vacation with my grandparents and this thing happened and, you know, kind of threw me for a loop. It didn't, it, it didn't scare me as in, oh my gosh, this guy is going to do something to me. But what it did do was, um, it made me very aware of, um, evilness out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember when he molested me, I had a, a, girlfriend with me at the time she wasn't there when it happened but later I said to her you know don't leave me alone with him you know and she didn't and mm. um but I think that really that looking back on it that was something that was significant mm-hmm. it was kind of one of those defining moments for you yeah because it was like here was a guy that I trusted my whole life he was a favorite uncle and you know all of a sudden he's doing these things and it's like wow you know mm-hmm. what's going on mm-hmm. and then you know in high school I didn't really 
date much, um, but there was one guy that I really, I got in, um, he and I started to have a relationship, and I really thought he loved me, you know, and mm-hmm. 16, 17, 18, what do you know about love? But, you know, you really, you really, I, I really thought this guy was the guy, and unfortunately, you know, I lost my virginity to him, and what I really found out was that he really wanted to be with my best friend. Oh, man. So a huge betrayal there. Huge. And so, and then with the background with my dad being so strict, um, you know, I just got to a point when I was 18 years old and I was just like, you know, what do I need men for? Mm. You know? mm-hmm. And my dad, you know, I love my dad. My, dad and I, my, my father and I have a great relationship. But, you know, looking back, they were very strict and, and, and you know, probably so because I, I, I could be very rebellious. So right. I understand why they did what they did and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really do. And I don't blame them. Um, but it speaks to why my, in my head I was starting to think the things I was thinking. Right. And, um, and so when I got to college is when I started you know, I was kind of down on guys. I had a guy that really betrayed me. You know, I, I got molested. And so I, I think I really had a, a self-esteem issue where I just thought, you know, who wants me? You know, mm-hmm. and literally I had a sweet mate who was next to me in college and next room over. And, you know, she was gay and she paid attention to me. And boy, I just um, I thought that's what love is. You know, she right. loves me. I am and the opportunity was there I was scared and I did go to a priest for advice because I didn't know anybody else and I was like oh my gosh you know should I be feeling you you know you kind of think you're not supposed to because I think everybody's everybody has that within them to say yeah this is probably not right but you know um and I did and so I went to a priest to say you know what I'm having these feelings you know you know can you help me out with this and basically what he said to me was, there's no hope for you. Oh, if you're wow. feeling this, there is, you know, you might. So I was stunned. And I basically said, well, okay, if there's no hope for me, then, you know, I don't, what is my need for God or Jesus? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I mean, I didn't even know this, the, 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 um, the, the gospel yet. But right. I just knew that, you know, supposedly, you know, if this God is so loving, then if he's rejecting me, then, you know, well, the heck with you. And I, so right. I went around my merry way. Right. Um, and so basically what you're saying is that there's a, there, was these, there were these series of events that you interpreted a certain way, and, and it led you to the point of being vulnerable and willing to consider something different than what maybe you'd been taught or grown up with or even thought or felt inside, you know, um, is that what you're Yeah, saying? absolutely. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. exactly it. I just totally, you know, looking back on it now, Dorinda, I, I totally bought into the lie. Hmm. But, you know, and I think the adversary, the devil had me even back then, even when I didn't even know Christ. Right, right. You know, he was basically telling me, if I look back now going, you know what, Judy, God doesn't love you. And, you know, and so you mm-hmm. can just do whatever you want to do. And, you know, and so I bought into this lie of of I'm gay. And then and then on top of that, what I started doing was taking the things that had happened to me in my youth and interpreting them through those lenses mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know like for instance i had a crush on a nun 
in fifth grade. Well, I'm sure at that age, people have crushes on even people of the same sex because it's just something that, you know, they're nice to you or whatever. Right, you, right. You misinterpret it. And that's right. It's it's like it, there's a connection there and then that connection gets mis, is misinterpreted. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And that's a great way to put it. You're putting it better than I am. (laughs) Misinterpret it. And um, and then you start fitting stuff into. Well, and then before you know it, you get to the point where I must have been born this way because, you know, I like Tonka trucks and my mom was always, you know, wanting me to be in dresses. And, you know, this was in the uh, was in the 80s. You know, I came out in the late 70s. And so. You know, so you you put all this garbage on top of 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 what you're feeling or you're experiencing. Right, that, right. That's how you get to the point where you're saying, "Well, I was born this way." Right. So you had this series of misinterpretations, and then you began to look back and try to, and you were, began to connect it to all these other things that you had never had those thoughts about before. Absolutely. Okay. And so, and, and so I'm listening to you and I'm saying, yes, the enemy, I'm thinking to myself, the, you know, the enemy really, he had a grip and he had a hold on you and he meant all of this for evil. But God is, you know, it says in his word, the enemy, uh, I think Joseph was saying this to his brothers, you know, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. Yeah. And at the time, I believe what was going on is so, you know, Psalm 8112 says, so I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. Mm. And I believe that's where I was at that Mm -hmm. point, was walking in my own devices, of course. And, you know, and just, uh, you know, I didn't really know anything about the Bible at that point. But uh, looking back, I just, I just, I just did my thing. Um, Right. You know, um, but God, obviously, I was his even at that point because mm-hmm. I started noticing, you know, mid-20s or so that he just started putting Christians in my life. And, right. And I knew they were Christians because they would tell me and I could tell by the way they talked, by the way they, um, you know, they talked about Jesus that, you know, I, I, I just knew that there was something going on here. Um, one of the earliest people to tell to share the gospel with me was my brother who had become born again. Um, by this time, this was like in my early 20s, and he shared the gospel. He wasn't too, he was kind of, kind of nasty about it in the sense that if you don't believe this, you're going to go to hell, but you know, right. that, I was just like, well, you know, I guess I'm going to go to hell and be with all my friends. Yeah, you're just, you were just diving into it and I was, I was going diving. full force. Yep. Yep, and I was pretty, I was pretty um, involved with the gay lifestyle, and I was just, just with people, and just basically just doing my thing, and I was one of your in-your-face kind of people too. I just mm. basically, um, you know, someone would, I, I was the one that in the early days, the ones that were holding the signs and saying gay is okay, and you know, and you're gonna accept us and pushing. I mean, I feel a lot of responsibility for for where things have gone in a sense, because I was there, I was, mm-hmm. um, however, God never left me or never, I didn't realize this, but, but he was bringing me back to him, um, mm-hmm. and sprinkling Christians after my brother shared with me, I started noticing other people and not one time did one Christian ever condemn me, which was amazing to me. That really is amazing. Um, I think God just, he used the Christians that were in my life and he just, he used them, um, 
they were very loving to me. They would invite me over to their home. And I mean, I remember saying to some people, like, um, aren't you supposed to be hating me? <laughs> right, know? right. So blown away that the kindness I was being shown by people. That right there is a testimony. And I think begins to, uh, it helps us begin to have a vision of what does this look like to relate to those who are choosing this lifestyle and it starts from a place of love for them and relationship with them they invited you into relationship and not even having to say anything about the lifestyle or you know not even addressing that but just not even addressing it not being a friend addressed it yes it was just more of a we love you judy and god loves you and of course i didn't believe it at first and right it took right me to really believe that and and it was really a series of events that finally got me over the hump, you know, and, and I wasn't, right. I didn't come to know the Lord until I was like in my 40s, 41, I think is when I right. gave it. So let's back up a little bit. So out of, you got, you were in college and then you met someone, correct? Yes, I met someone in college and then um, I went through a series of relationships, but then once I got out of college, I joined the Navy and, you know, and in the services, unfortunately, it's pretty prevalent. Mm-hmm. And um, and I met someone there and um, we got together and we were together for almost 16 years. Wow. Wow. So I'm I'm looking here at some of your notes and you you talked about that you were you settled down. I mean, it was just like a regular, you know, marriage scenario. Um, yes. The whole yeah, thing, it, the, the picket fence, the mortgage, the house, the the whole thing. Yeah, it was like I was just like you. You, I was just the next door neighbor doing my thing, making it mm-hmm. in the world, you know, and that's kind of how we start. That's how we kind of saw ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Um, you know, it'd be a little weird sometimes when we'd all show up someplace and I'd have a, a gal rather than a guy. But, you know, you kind of learn to push through that. And, and, and also back in those days, too, you have to remember, because it was in the like I said, the 80s is the gay population back there didn't seem to be as pushy. Right. As are now. Right. And, you know, we respected other people and the way they lived. We didn't get in their faces and say, you know, I mean, when I 20s, I did. But by this point, I was in my late 30s. And mm-hmm. you just you just lived your lives. And, you know, you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. So we never, right. you know, we weren't we, we didn't try and preach and say, well, you know, you should be gay or anything. We just right. lived our lives. That wasn't and, a pushing of the agenda. It was just a sort of a live and let live. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of what I have been, you know, kind of used to and been fine with. But then um, but then having this pressure and this pushback starting to happen. So uh, it's so I don't even know. It's just so powerful. It's so in your face. It's so I mean, I get, you know, I mean, obviously, the homosexual lifestyle is is not God's design. Um, and I look at that now and I see a lot of homo- homosexuals, they just want you to be, you know, we, you have to accept us and you right. have to, you know, and everything in the world's got to change. You know, you can't do, you know, you can't put religious things up. You can't. It's just like, come on, people, you know. Right, right. And it's more of a thing. It's not even just about acceptance. It's you have to agree. You have to agree. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the thing that I find very interesting because there's this whole idea of tolerance. And yet they're the most 
tend, not all of them, I'm not going to, you know, generalize, but, but what I'm seeing and hearing is a lot of intolerance on their part for any other viewpoint. And so there's this forcing of one viewpoint, that's it. And, and, and if you say anything, even if it's the most loving thing in the world, uh, stating that you disagree, there is hatefulness and hostility, like, it's crazy. I, I've been shocked yeah, at I how to... quickly the foul language kicks in and the name calling. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on here? And it was very interesting the other day. I was listening to, no, I was, I was reading a book. It's called It's Time to Pray by Carter Conlon, who is the pastor of Times Square Church in New York City. And he, and he made this statement that resonated with me when it comes to this particular topic. He said, um, the enemy manifests his power before God does his work in order to put fear and doubt into your mind and to stop you from trusting God. And I thought, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. He sort of, he sort of, um, this pastor sort of related it to like the enemy is showing his hand. And when he does that, you can bet that God is about to do something amazing. And so I'm thinking of this, this, um, hard pushing of this agenda and this blatant, just so blatant and pushy and all of this. And I'm thinking to myself, it it seems so powerful. And yet maybe the enemy is actually showing his hand and he's trying to manifest his power before God does a really amazing work. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're onto something there. I think he's on for, for sure because yeah. You know, the adversary doesn't want us to, you know, this morning he was trying to attack me this, uh, as I got up this morning and I just knew w- what was going on. But you right. know, I, I went to Brad and I said, I really need your help right now. I need you to pray for me because I'm just, you know, speaking out in boldness. He does not want you and I to be talking about this. That's right. That's right. And so, um, you know, so and he'll attack you in every every which way he can. You know, I'm a pretty strong person for the most part, but. But, you know, this morning he was getting in my head and not so much because he was telling me don't do it, but just just the fact of um, attacking me in other areas. You know, mm-hmm. I do said we recently retired. And so there's a little bit of uncertainty there about what way we're going to be going. And we do have plans and we think God's leading us somewhere. But you know what? But the, he can take that and he can get it in your head. And, you know, unless you start praying or unless you have other people start praying for you, I think, you know, he can get to you. And so. Absolutely. This is the kind of things that, you know, I, I know I uh, we need to speak in boldness. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like I said and said to you in my notes is that it's these people out there in the world are not against us. They're against God. That's right. And, and we take it so personally and we as Christians need to understand and, and be so absolute in the truth. Mm-hmm. Understand that they're not attacking us. I mean, even though they think they are. Right. Um, and it feels like that, but that's not the case. Like, yes. And it's not the case. And that's the thing that we have to always try and remember is that that's it, right. It, it's against uh, principalities and darkness, not against us. That's right. And, that's right. So, so let's go back to your experience. So now you've settled down, you've got all this going on and now move forward to when, okay, so God's brought people into your life and it sounds like he handpicked them and they've, I've, Maybe you're starting to think about 
Yes, I think a little differently. I started thinking a little bit differently because as people were saying, um, well, what ended up happening, what really was a catastrophe, I moved up to um, the Northwest in 1995. Mm -hmm. And before that, I had had people talking to me and I was in the Bay Area of all places to get to get to. for God to be sprinkling Christians in my life, I think. I love it. I love it. You know, I know. Here in the in the in the haven of, of homosexuality. Right. <laughs> and he's starting to bring me out of this. <laughs> it just shows you he's so he's so much more powerful than we often give him credit for. We do. We do. Oh, great. So anyway, so when I moved up here, um, I met some people that at work who were Christians, and they started inviting me to our church at the time, Emmanuel Baptist in Mount Vernon, um, mm-hmm. Washington. They started, they had productions. And what I mean by productions is that every year at Christmas, they would have these um, uh, dinner, whatever. they were actually dessert theaters. Right, I remember those. Yes. Remember those? Yeah. I do. And, and so I was invited to those, and I loved the theater. And so I would go just to enjoy the, the production. Mm-hmm. And... Um, of course, the pastor at the time would start preaching and talking about afterwards about giving your life to Jesus. And of course, the first few years, I never really paid attention. But one time he said something, and this was about three years into, um, it was around 1998, end of 98. And he preached about somebody, and he, he said a story about a woman who had gone into a burning home to save her grandkids from, from a fire. Mm-hmm. And she, she saved them, but she died. And he said, you know, after all these great things she did, she didn't know the Lord, so she wasn't going to heaven. And that really struck me because I always thought of myself as, well, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I haven't mm-hmm. killed anybody or done anything <laughs> wrong or, you know, yeah, I've got this little thing on the side, but you know what? I mean, so what? Right. Um, but it really struck me, you know, and, and I'm sure it was a combination of things he had said for three years. But this particular thing really, really got into my psyche where I went, mm. wow, you know, uh, how can I not get into heaven? I'm this great person, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, a little bit after that, like a few months after that, my grandmother passed away. who was very much a, a, a Christian. And my cousin at the time, or my cousin at the time, but still, um, she said, you know what, Judy, um, you know, we believe she's in heaven. And, and so I started asking her questions and God was revealing to me that I really needed to change my life if I wanted to live forever. And I wanted to have this eternal life. I didn't know too much about Jesus still. I didn't really know the gospel, but I was basically he was reaching me through. Come to me. Come right. to me. You know, you don't want to live this life. There's more out there for you, Judy, than been living this life particularly mm-hmm. and I was starting to have these feelings of I'm not really gay I don't think you know and wow was that yeah. sort of like a an aha moment for you it was it really was because I was thinking you know I mean I I was living with this person who I loved very much mm-hmm. Believe me, I loved her but I was just like this isn't right this is not mm-hmm. right and plus as I saw my Christian friends up here and, and Emmanuel, as they were evangelizing to me, really, through these productions, I started understanding that there was this guy named Jesus really, really loved me and wanted me to follow him and wanted me to live the way he wanted me to live. And, and 
it's interesting too because you know when you talk about living the way he wants us to live i think it's important to remember you know here we have this creator who created us okay so he's the artist he's the one who who made us through and through he hardwired us he put us together he knit us together why wouldn't he know what's best for us exactly right exactly. it's not it's not him trying to keep something from us or to keep us from having fun or to keep us from the fullest life he wants to give us the fullest life and he is the one who knows what that is because he absolutely. is the creator absolutely and absolutely and that i think you know was starting to to, I was starting to think that way. Not, not so much, you know, all of a sudden. It didn't come to me all in one day, of course. It took right. years. But I had this awakening. And then really what, what really was the, the catalyst and what really got me is that, you know, I was kind of in the back of my head going, well, you know, if I need to, I, I really wanted to follow Jesus. I got to a point where I said I really want to follow Jesus, but I have this life. Right. And Knowing that I wasn't, I, I think I knew I wasn't supposed to be living this way, <laughs> but I went to a pastor, I went to the pastor of EBC at the time, and I kind of told him my dilemma. I said, you know, I think I want to follow Christ, and I want to, I want to live for him, but I've got this friend on the side that, you know, was kind of, what do I do about this situation kind of deal? Mm -hmm. And he gave me the most prolific, uh, and he says, you know, Judy, you can't do both. You have to choose. Mm. And that was something that I was like, I was, I had a decision to make. I was mm -hmm. like, I, and talk about another aha moment. Right, right. I had to decide, was, was I going to live with this woman who I loved very, very, very much? Mm -hmm. Or was I going to follow Christ, which basically, you know, take up your cross and follow me. Right. And I tell you, it was, it was powerful. It was a real, I mean, I remember exactly where I was when he said that. Mm -hmm. And I remember just thinking, I want to follow Christ. And, and that's when you know, you know, when you can remember where you were at that moment, uh, you yeah. know that that was a defining moment. And that's not just about the words. It's not about, you know, the pastor having said everything perfectly. It was about the Holy Spirit being at work yeah. in your heart and revealing to you um, the truth. And exactly. And I exactly. noticed here you have, it was, it was April 10th, 1999. You call that your day of reckoning. So you have celebrated uh, 20 years. Yes. Yep. Just, Just this year, the 20th this anniversary year. of your day of reckoning. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly right. Because wow. Just, and then I, I, was, I was absolutely, I could tell you it was like about 1030 in the morning or 1020 wow. somewhere. Wow. Morning. Wow. And I love the scripture that you put with that. You said, Jesus answered and said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And I love the verse you just quoted, you know, that you're basically going to pick up your cross and you're going to follow him. Yep. Yeah. Mm, and, you I know, and, and I can tell you that's when things got really messy. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. Tell us about this. I'm thinking that um, this podcast, we're just going to we're just going to talk about your story. And we and we may just do another one with all the questions. OK, that's so so because I, I really I, I think it's important for people to feel, you know, to really get the full story, um, because I think it gives us an understanding of when 
someone decides to come out of that lifestyle, it's not just a, oh, now I'm not going to do this anymore. There are heartstrings that are tied. The relationship you had with that, with um, the woman you were living with, um, it was deep and it was real. It was very real. And it was very, it was the hardest thing I ever did was having to tell her that Mm. I could not live with her anymore. And which made it even worse was that she was in the military, so she wasn't around when I had made this decision for Christ. Right. And um, and she was going to come back in about three months. And I remember the church telling me, you know, you know, especially a few people saying, you know, she's not going to understand. And I said, well, I've known her for 16 years. I think she'll be bummed out and I think she'll be mad, but I think she'll understand, you know. Right. And um, boy, they were right. They were right. Mm-hmm. She did not understand at all. And the. I had never seen the sight of this person hmm. as addictive as she was come out when I told her that I couldn't live with her anymore. And, um, you know, she, she got up, uh, the next day after she came home from, she came, had just come home from the deployment for like a year or six months maybe. And here I was telling her, I, oh, you know, I can't live with you anymore. And, so and I, here's I, why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I rocked her world. I, you know mm. what? And I mean, how do you not feel responsible for that? You right. Know, as much as you, you know, and I uh, believe me, I didn't know much. I didn't know Bible verses. All I knew is that Jesus loved me, and He said He would never forsake me. That's about the extent of my knowledge mm-hmm. of, you know. And here I was telling somebody that I can't live with you anymore, um, you know. And of course, she was just like vengeance and just mm. nasty. I, I couldn't the nastiness I'd never seen that in this person and do do you really I mean I can't help but think that that was more a spiritual warfare than anything yes yeah yeah because that that I I, bondage whatever you want to call it um is so powerful um that when you say you know here here you have this new relationship with Jesus and you're leaving this long-term relationship for this relationship with Jesus that's barely begun it, it just it's it's fascinating to me that um that just the fact that you were you were making this decision based on the fact that you knew that he loved you and that he would never leave you or forsake you. I mean, that right there just just tells me how powerful um, that relationship is, and how how powerful when God is moving in our lives, how He can transform us so quickly. He can. He can. You know. And I think back, and you know, He was changing me little by little, and then right. just, I finally got to a point. I think where when I was faced with the, you can do this or you can do that, and. I wanted to come to Christ. I wanted to live for Christ mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I knew enough to know that that was the right way and that was the truth. Although I didn't know everything that I know now. Right. I of course still, not. I still wanted, um, you know, I kind of the way I, I, I kind of see it now is that, you know, devil, you had me for the first 40 years of my life and you didn't do much with it. except <laughs> me heartache and, you know, and um because that lifestyle is still hard. It's a hard yeah. thing to, to live in, you know, because you will get ostracized and stuff like that. So, right. you know, and, and this one is too. I mean, right. you know, <laughs> but there's a, do you feel like there's like this, um, you, it's more now like you have eternity in mind and, and that changes everything. 
it does. It does. Mm-hmm. But also knowing that, I, I mean, with, with all the knowledge that I've gained over the last 20 years and the love and, and the teaching and the, you know, and I mean, a Christian life, it may be a hard life, but it's worth it. Right, right. And there's this underlying peace. That's the difference. You know, yes. I, I'm yes. sure that you did not have the same peace in the other lifestyle that you have living this life. And yes. Yes. the difference, I mean, and isn't that what we all want? We want that kind of peace that we can have through any and all circumstances. And Christ is the only one that offers that. He is. He's the only one. There's only one path to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the thing is, is you know, all these other religions, it's like, what can you do for me? Right. And you, look, you look at our our walk, and it's Christ has done it for us already. Right, he, right. It's grace. It's grace, yes. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, and I look back now, and I've been a Christian now for, like I said, 20 years, and... I'm so much more at peace. I'm, I'm, I'm actually a lot happier, you know, I mean, and, um, you know, I got married in 2005, which was, I mean, I never would have thought that would have happened, you know? Right, right, right. So you, um, so we're, we're go back to your, to your, uh, experience here. You, you had to go through a time of healing, yes. um, after leaving your partner. And then what happened after that? Well, As you're going through that process, what was that process like for you? The process was really hard because, number one, when I told her I had to leave her, she got up and left literally like within 10 hours, and I never saw her again. Wow. Um, after 16 years. I, I had contact with her because we had to kind of split things up. But, um, but the church um, was really, really instrumental in – and getting me, I don't want to, I use the word plugged in here, but I kind of don't like that word anymore because they, they just came around me and they surrounded me with love mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. making sure that I would, I would start learning more about the Bible, you know, right. and knowing what the word said. And, and, uh, you know, obviously that took years. I mean, I'm still learning. Absolutely. That discipleship process just doesn't end until we go to heaven, but no, you, you no. became very involved in that discipleship proce- pro- I did. Uh, I did. process. And I, it's because People came alongside of you yes. and said, hey, we're with you. You know, yes. we're going to we're going to be right here. and We're going to walk through this with you. And they did. They did. Mm-hmm. You know, Heidi St. John, J.C. Mm-hmm. John, huge part of that right then because they came into my life about that time. And right. And I, I find it interesting because Heidi, you know, she definitely speaks out against the this pushback that we're getting from the gay and lesbian transgender community. Um, and she takes some terrible heat for it and hatred and here she's lived the example of what it looks like to not be a hater to to, you know I just find it interesting you know nobody nobody necessarily knows that but you know it's it's just fascinating to me but that is that is the way it's supposed to be what they did is what we are supposed to do as Christians yes yes exactly and that 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 was you know all God ordained to. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. God had his hands in there and he was, you know, he wanted me to learn quickly. Right. Um, you know, he, I, I got involved with, with stuff in the church. You know, I was on the soundboard. I don't know if you remember that. I was on yes, the soundboard. Yes. And I, you know, but I started serving and I just, I just, I went for it just wholeheartedly. I just threw myself into it. But I, I, I think get that God was protecting me and he was showing me and he was bringing me along and he's putting people in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would say that 
from the time I left my, my partner, it probably took me about two and a half, three years to where I really felt like, okay, I can move on. You know, right. I can, bring, I can bring a healthy relationship to a possible, you know, another relationship with a man. Right. And, and so what I started doing was in 2004, I think I started putting, I had a, I made a list of, of the man that I wanted. Mm. On the top of the list was a godly man, somebody that was funny, somebody that would take care of me, somebody that was just, uh, that loved the Lord as much as I did. And I would put that in my pillow at night, and I would just pray about that. Mm. And um, that's how I found Bradley. Mm. Was wow. my life through the Internet, of all places. <laughs> I tell you, Internet <laughs> some things, I guess. That's right. You know, God can use anything. But, you know, when you're praying like that, he's he's I believe he's preparing your heart, preparing. He prepared Brad's heart, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's you know, you can talk about the the ways that that there's a testimony to that as well. Yeah. Um, yep. But I just um, you know, he blessed me with a with a, a good, godly, mm. God fearing man. And I'm just. That in, in itself was a blessing. I mean, I just look at my whole life from 1999, and I just go, wow, one blessing after the other. Have mm-hmm. there been hardships? Yes, there have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the by, the most part, it's been he's blessed me, and I've chosen to say, you know, this is a blessing. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and when Brad and I got married, of course, uh, you know, to be honest, I had no clue, no clue whatsoever of how to live as a Christian wife or much less right. as a wife. And right. that, that was a, a definitely an experience in itself because I didn't, I didn't know. I, you know, I was right. Thinking, and I'm, I'm sure the enemy who, who loves to do this was very adept at, at trying to couple that with condemnation and constantly trying to drag you to your past. Well, yeah, because, you know, basically you had, you had two middle-aged people one was an ex-lesbian, one was a twice-married guy, and both of us had type A personalities. <laughs> and, you know, you kind of throw that in a mix together, and you just say, okay, that's going to work. <laughs> fireworks, so, probably, I would say. <laughs> yes, I mean, it was fireworks for a, a, a while, and a lot mm. of it, I have to tell you, a lot of it was me, because I just had no clue. You know, I had oh. been living kind of an independent life in a sense right. of yeah, I was with a woman, but you know what? I didn't, I didn't really think about when I wanted to buy a book, for instance, something as simple as a book going to her and saying, well, I'm going to buy a book. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to go buy one of the big things I did early in our marriage was I bought a printer or a computer. I can't remember if it was a printer or a computer, but it was a bit substantial thing. And I just bought it. I didn't say anything to my husband. And he just, I come home one day with this thing under my arm. And he says, what's that? And I told him, well, it's this new printer that I needed to get. And he's just like, well, do you think maybe you could have asked, you know, not so much ask for his permission. Because right. I'm not going to say that. But just inform talk me. Or just about say, talk about it. Talk about it before right. you just go out and spend $500 on. And I'm right. just like, well, it's my money. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, so I had no clue. I mean, when I said I had no clue, I really had no clue. Um, but even then, God put somebody in my life, an older woman who was in her 70s at the time. She took me under her wing, and I was under her wing for probably five or six years. Mm. And she just basically, we went through all kind of this, 
all kind of the chapters of the Bible. We went through women's studies. I mean, she just really helped me understand that out of two become one. Right, right. And um, so she mentored you along the way. And this is something that I feel like is a huge uh, piece that seems to be missing. Um in the church, in so many churches, not every church, but I would say I could probably uh, say most churches and be accurate in saying that um, just this whole idea of mentoring and discipling older women, discipling and mentoring the younger. And and I don't know if it's just, you know, what it is exactly. I'm sure every scenario is different, but I think sometimes uh, the older generation has just decided, hey, I'm done. You know, I've done my time. I want to do my thing. I want to have fun. I don't want to be responsible for anything. And I don't want to be, you know, working on any kind of relationship with anybody. And then the other piece is I think sometimes uh, the younger generation is kind of unteachable. Um, They're finding a lot of their information on the Internet and um, and the the Internet can be helpful, but it can never replace experience um, when you're getting that sort of perspective from Uh, someone who's down the road yeah and you really did you know I decided about a year ago that I needed to become invested in younger people and Mm -hmm. um um I I won't say I'm mentoring this gal but she and I've met a few times and you know she's 20 years old and I'm just sharing experiences with her and you know and she's so she's soaking it up which is just you know Mm -hmm. I'm glad on that because um you know, she's going to be the next generation. You know, I tell That's her right. 30 years from now, you're going to be telling people, you know, what you and I talked about and, right. what, you know, and so, and, and you're right. You know, a lot of times retired people say I'm retired. Well, Bradley and I just, we're seeing this retirement now as a brand new adventure and, mm-hmm. you know, God, what are you going to do with us? And, and we want to share the gospel. I mean, that's, that's both of us. We, you know, we talk about Jesus every day. Mm-hmm. And so amongst our conversation with each other and other people. And so we know this is what we, God wants us to do, obviously, is to spread the gospel. That's right. And so, um, you know, so, yeah, so we're, we're looking forward to it. I just, I think it's great. Um, I, I heard this pastor say someone had turned in a, a prayer request and they were somebody in their 60s or 70s. And they said, I just feel like I have no purpose. And he spoke directly to that. And he said, as long as you have breath. You have purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And so I love the fact that you're uh, taking these, you know, this next season of your life and using it to just further God's kingdom and to talk about him and to share his love with with the world. Because, you know, the bottom line is that's that's what we need. That this is what our culture needs. This is what we need. We need to understand the depth of the love that Christ has for us. You know, the fact that he died on the cross for us and gave himself for us is such a powerful, powerful thing. And, you know, just like people, uh, God used people to sow seeds in your life. You know, Paul says, you know, one sows and and one waters and another one harvests. You know, you don't know as you're walking along and you're just sharing your own your own story with people about what God has done in our lives. We share this with others and we don't know. We don't know what God's going to do with it. Our responsibility is simply to to share it. To share it. That is our response. That's our job. Our exactly. job is to share it. His job is to save. We're not in the business of saving people. We're in the business of talking about Jesus Christ. That's and, right. And 
and his what he did for us is his uh his death and his death on a cross and his resurrection three days later and we know that we will be that we're going to be living forever because of his resurrected body right that's um, right you know it's it's I mean, that's thrilling. Who wouldn't want that? <laughs> it's exciting. And and then on top of that, we, we, we are offered this peace. Yes, you know, life can be difficult. It can be hard. But there is a joy and a peace that we can have in the midst of any circumstances. And that's not always easy. But it's possible. And awesome. that's the, the hope that we have. And that's the hope that we really want to share with other people. It's not about, you know, them doing things my way. It's about it's about saying, hey, our creator created us and he's saying, hey, this is what's best for you. This is where this is how you will be the happiest and the most at peace and the most fulfilled. And I'm telling you, if, if someone came along with that kind of a, you know, recipe for, for life, um, people would be all over it. And, and that's, you know, when you, you see all these things on the internet and all these different, you know, marketing strategies and it's, and it's like, there's these products out there promising this and promising that, but everything pales in comparison to the love of Christ and to what he has for us and the good that he has for us. And we've seen that in your testimony that you have shared today. So thank you so much for sharing that. And we're going to, we're going to close up this uh, podcast and we're just going to do a separate one. And we're on that one. We're going to be talking very specifically about some questions that I have and that moms have sent me um, about how we can be just really practical ways that we can be light and, um, and the hands of, and feet of Jesus um, to this growing, you know, lesbian, gay, transgender community, because that's really what we want. And um, so if you'll come back, I would love to have you. I would yeah. love to back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for this time. We thank you for the powerful testimony that Judy has shared. God, we thank you um, for her heart for you and for the ways that you have transformed her life and um, done things in her life that she never thought possible, Lord. And that power and that peace is available to anyone, Lord. And we thank you for that. And God, I just pray that as people have listened today, Lord, that they would hear and feel the love of Christ, Lord, because that's what matters, Lord. It, what matters is what you've done for us and what you have to offer us. God, we just thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.